You're listening to audio from Covenant Church. Visit covenantdoylestown.org to connect with our ministry. Humans make stories. People, we people, create stories. And I'm not just talking about novels and plays and TV shows and movies. And I'm not just talking about, you know, squirrels don't write Netflix shows. But human beings, we ask the questions, what's life for? Uh, there's a famous book called After Virtue, which a man named Alastair McIntyre writes, I cannot answer the question, what ought I to do, unless I first answer the question, of which story am I a part? And the stories we make, they're inherently spiritual. Here's what I mean. What makes life great? Is it having someone to love? We just walk down the street in our region. Hey, what's wrong with the world? What needs to happen in the world? The answers would be inherently spiritual, even if like people didn't realize it. Well, hey, there's, you know, people sometimes get greedy and that's not the right thing to do. Uh, We ought to love each other. Those are spiritual values. You don't get that in a test tube. Human beings, we not only make stories and we're fascinated by stories, we live in stories. We live in stories and out of stories. Here's what I mean. Uh, there's, a, there's a book, I'm gonna give you a quote from James Bryan Smith. He wrote a book called The Magnificent Story. And he just points, he points it out this way. Our stories are running our lives in ways we may not even be aware of. Let's say your family led you to believe that you're inadequate. They communicated this to you in many ways, usually not through words. Perhaps it was a disappointed glance or a failure to listen to you. The story of your inadequacy becomes a defining narrative of your identity and it will shape your decisions and actions and feelings for many, many years. Doesn't matter if the narrative is true or not. All that matters is that you believe it to be true. And he goes on to ask, what story have you been told about God? What have you been told about the gospel, about the Christian life, about Jesus, about the cross, about who you are, about heaven? Your answers to these questions form a story that will determine your life. It will determine how your life will go. And this is what he says. See if you agree with this. If you wrote down your answers to these questions, and if you told me the story you've been told, and the stories you tell yourself, and if you sent them for me to read, I believe I could predict how your life is going and will go without having met you. So your stories, the stories you tell yourself, they were, the answers to those stories, to those questions, would reveal your ability to trust, to love, to hope. I would know your capacity for courage. I would even be able to determine your level of joy because the stories you are living are running your life. You're living at their mercy. The question we're gonna get to this morning is, what's the real story? What's the big story we're invited to live in in the gospel of Jesus? What stories are running your life? We live out of a story. A story gives us a direction, values, signposts. We live in a story. Maybe part of your story is a guilt story. Maybe you've done some things, maybe even this week, you're deeply ashamed of. Maybe it's a shame story. 
Maybe it's a story of suffering. We live in a story. Uh, some of us here this morning might be saying, well, look, I don't think this God stuff's real. I wonder if it's really true. What if there is no purpose? What if the best thing to do is to tune out, buy some stuff, you know, enjoy life? That's a story. I, I would contend with you, it's not good, beautiful, and true. That's actually gonna affect how you feel. It's gonna affect how you, your life is gonna go, but it's a story, right? Young people, you wonder where you fit. You ever just wonder like, where am I gonna fit? Like in the whole thing, in life, in the world. That's wondering, what is my story? We live out of stories, we live in stories. They're instinctually spiritual and we need to hook into the deepest story. We're starting a series today. It's on the book of Ruth. We're gonna have four weeks in the book of Ruth. It's a small book. It's a story that gets really real about suffering. It's about someone who loses hope. I almost titled this sermon, Giving Up on God. You could argue that there's a character in this first chapter that's just given up completely on God. Like, hey, I'm done. And it's a real story. Uh, Eugene Peterson writes about the Bible. No literature is more realistic and honest in facing the harsh facts of life than the Bible. The Bible's not trite. Like we're gonna see suffering, tears, chapter one of the book of Ruth. Carolyn Custis James um, thinks there's an invitation here. She, she's a writer, a great uh, Bible teacher. Christine and I are just grateful for them as friends. They're local, they're wonderful. She wrote this really insightful book on the book of Ruth and she tells some of her own story. She tells about being wheeled into an operating room in Philadelphia and being told, you're not gonna be able to have kids ever. And she says of this book of Ruth, this, this is a story that invites us to be honest with God when life flattens us, when suffering happens. There is this sin thing that Jesus wants to help us with. There's also this suffering thing. The Bible is real about how hard, how lonely, how sad, how sometimes life flattens us. And what's beautiful about this story, I'm gonna meet the character of Naomi. She has a hard story, a bitter story. It seems like she's given up. She says, I don't even know if I have hope or not. And God breaks in and invites her, just gives her, gives her a different story and puts blessing in her lap. It's really beautiful. There's invitation here for us to examine what stories are we living out of? What would it look like to enter more fully into the story of Jesus? Someone's blessed by the Lord where they thought their only story was gonna be bitterness. Someone is blessed by the Lord in this story where they thought, that's it. And by the way, this is a real story, okay? These are actual people. There's others, other people in the Bible who descended from these people. It's not, when I use the word story, I'm not saying it's made up, it happened. And I'll talk about the time period. So let's dive in. Ruth, chapter one, first five verses. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. 
The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about 10 years. And both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Let's pause here just for a second. All these details are important, and they're, they're historical details. They locate his city, his clan, his people, and the time matters, in the days when the judges ruled. So this is about 1250 BC to 1050 BC, and this is a period where Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. In the book of Judges, which is in the Bible, that's a refrain. There was no king. Everyone kind of did their own thing. How did that go? I'll give you the cliff notes. Not well. It's a crazy book to read. You kind of can't believe it. I mean, you would think like, that was weird. And then the next chapter is weirder. There's like violence. Uh, moral decay, families blowing up, spiritual wandering, sexual sin, and even the judges that God raises up to rescue his people, they've got their issues and problems. The last line of the book is in those days that there was no king, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And it went about as well as you would guess. So this is the period we're in. And there's a famine, and here's the thing about famine. Famine in the promised land is a judgment from God. God had said, look, if you sacrifice your kids to idols, if you mistreat the poor, if you turn away from me, there will be judgments. And the point is to wake the people up so that they cry out to him and he heals them. And he actually promises to do that in Deuteronomy 30. He says, when all these things come upon you, like when you wander, when you do this stuff to each other, when you forsake and leave me, the blessings and the curse that I described, which I set before you, remember, call them to mind. Return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey the voice and all I command you with all your heart and with all your soul. And the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you. And so in the period of the judges, there's a pattern of falling away, suffering, and then crying out and turning back. Moab is a traditional enemy, okay? They go to war with Israel sometimes. It's a place of compromise, a place where there's ritual prostitution. It's this weird, ungodly neighbor and Elimelech goes there. And my point in bringing this up, look, the time matters. The place where Elimelech takes his family matters because it was a spiritual choice. God had promised, look, I'm gonna bless you in the promised land. I'm gonna be with you in the promised land. And Elimelech said, I'm actually gonna pass on that. I'm gonna do my own thing. Famine, hey, we could cry out to God, or I could just go over here and see how that works out. Does that resonate a little bit? How many bad choices are made with a thought? You know, God's kind of not showing up in the way that I want. I don't want to wait on him, trust him, listen to what he says. I'm gonna kind of do my own thing. 
Moab is the land of compromise and they choose to stay. Did you notice that? They went to the country of Moab and remained there. They're just like, okay, this is us now. The place matters. And here's the thing about this passage, the names matter. There's some irony here. He's from Bethlehem. Know what Bethlehem means? House of bread. There's a famine. His name, Elimelech, means my God is king. We could fairly ask, really? Is he really? You don't seem like you have a king. It seems like you're your own king. You're kind of doing your own thing. So he's left the house of bread. He goes to the land of compromise. My God is king, except he's kind of doing his own thing. And then his family life gets sadder. He dies. And they stay there, and both sons die. And no one's had any kids. And Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth, they really are alone. And we just need to pause here for a second. The original hearers of this, and ancient people, actually other people, people in other places in the world hear this differently. To be a widow in the ancient world is a scary thing. Now we have three. You read the book of Judges and you realize, look, they're physically in danger, okay? They're physic- they don't have the def- family defenders. They don't have land. They don't have clan. It seems like they don't have a God to protect them. They're alone. You know what your retirement is in the ancient world? Your kids. You're gonna get old and you have kids that provide for you. They're like, okay, our social security is gone, our retirement's gone, we're alone in danger, and here we are. And then they hear news about the promised land. Follow along, verse six. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law. So they hear, she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. And it's, it's repetitive in an intentional way. Hey, did we have to mention that they're still hanging out in Moab? And so they're in the fields of Moab and they finally hear, hey, God has visited his people. He's heard their cry and provided them food. And she has a choice then, right? So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. You kind of have to wonder what she's thinking. Has she heard... Hey, there's food again. Will God bless me? Is God going to meet me in my suffering? Is she, what's she thinking about her story? Well, we hear a little bit of her thought life and what happens next. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each of you to, to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband, She kissed them. They lifted up their voices and wept. They said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. 
And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law to kiss goodbye. But Ruth clung to her, and she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. So this is a tearful goodbye. It's an emotional scene. They care for each other. They're kissing each other. In one way, it sounds like Naomi, Naomi might believe that the Lord's blessing is to be upon them, like she's saying the words, right? Hey, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord make your story happy after all. May you find some happiness in the world. May the Lord give you some rest. We're in this place that's dangerous. We're obviously exposed. We got nothing. May it work out for you. And she's using the words, but does she really think that God's gonna do anything? No. Right? It doesn't sound like it when she's like, hey, actually thinking it through, you should go back to your people and your gods. And there's something cultural, okay, there's a cultural difference going on. A widow is bound to the husband's family and would seek to marry someone else in the family. And Naomi says, look, there's no more brothers. There's no one else in the family. That's not in the cards for me. I wouldn't have any sons. Even if I had a son now, the age thing, it's not gonna work out. Your best chance for a blessed life is to go. And she says, it's bitter for me. She uses the word bitter. For your sake, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She's essentially saying, it stinks for you that God's done this for me, to me. It stinks. I'm sorry. And you know what you should do? Go back to your gods. She doesn't expect blessing with the Lord. And this is, this is really weary. It, it seems like she's given up. She's saying, my story, it's bitter. And that's all it's going to be. This is her story. This is her suffering. She expects nothing more. Return to your people and their gods. You almost wonder, is Naomi thinking, is she articulating in her head, okay, look, God's allowed this to happen. God, did God do this to us? Go back to another God. Try something else. Now get ready for this. In this dark spot, there's a turning point. And Naomi doesn't know what's gonna happen. She doesn't know what's gonna happen next. She's kissed one woman, daughter, she calls daughter that she loves goodbye forever. And Ruth says this. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. This is a central statement in the book, and even with the cultural difference, I mean, we can feel like the beauty of what's happening. Here's a suffering woman, and Ruth doesn't say, hey, I hope it works out for you too. Please let me know, you know, hope, you know, bless you. Ruth says, you have my presence no matter what. She basically says, I love you, I'm with you forever, that's the way it's gonna go. Ruth promises her presence 
And this key phrase, your people shall be my people, and your God my God, that should sound familiar. Now, Covenant Church, you need to know this. Covenant Church, no, this is covenant language. This is the language that God has used in the Old Testament again and again. So in the book of Exodus, God rescues all these people from slavery, and he says, hey, you know what's great about this? You know what's great? I've rescued you, We're, you're gonna know me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. God promises presence, and we can rec- recognize the nobility of what Ruth said, like hey, she didn't bail on her family, but even more, it seems like she's saying something lodged. She's like, actually, your God, your people are gonna be my people. Your God is gonna be my God. I don't wanna give you all the spoilers, because we got four weeks in Ruth, but later, it, this choice becomes known as, you know who really Ruth is looking, who is Ruth looking to to protect her? The God of Israel. Uh, Psalm 57, one, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. And later in Ruth, the language of under your wings, God, I take refuge, that's what Ruth's doing. Think of that image. A mother bird protecting her young with her wings. And this is ancient prayer language. God, it's basically saying to God, we come to you for protection. In our story, in our suffering, with our pain, with our guilt, with our shame, we need you. God, we need you. Ruth, and maybe she had heard Maybe even from the my God is king guy. Maybe from her husband. Maybe from Naomi. She had heard what God had said to be the God of his people and to be present with them, even in disciplining them. And she says, I'm in. And, you know, Naomi doesn't say, hey, that's beautiful. That's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. She doesn't say, I, I wish, I was hoping you'd say that. She's like, I, I can't talk her out of this. I guess we gotta go. And so this is what happens next. So they go back to Bethlehem, verse 19. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? You wonder how that suffering had changed her. They're like, do we recognize her? Is that the same woman? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So let's just go through that. The homecoming makes an impact. They barely recognize her, and they say, is this Naomi? And what she's saying there with her name, don't don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. And Naomi is saying, look, my life has not been pleasant. I am empty. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. The Lord has dealt bitterly with me. That's my story. 
This is a suffering person saying, that's, actually, that's my bottom line story. I'm bitter, she's not hopeful. Call me Mara. And yet, there's a flash of hope. Do you notice that it keeps on mentioning Moab? Hey, did we have to mention, you know what's crazy about this story? Ruth from Moab. Ruth and Moab, they return from Moab. And the person of faith, here's also the irony in chapter one. Who's the person of faith? The woman from Moab. He was like, hey, uh, that God, I'm in. Also, there's some hints of hope here. There's a word used seven times. Uh, it's the Hebrew word for returned, and it's translated, it's in verse six, seven, eight, 10, 16, 21, and 22. It's used seven times in this chapter. It's translated sometimes brought back, return. It's a word that's used in the Bible for turning to God. Naomi doesn't know it yet, but she's actually, God is working in ways that she can't yet see to turn her back to himself. Hey, you wanna hear some good news? You can turn to God. You can turn to God. Uh, it doesn't matter what you did this week, last night. It doesn't matter uh, the things that were awful that happened to you. You can invite God into that part of your story. It doesn't matter the guilt that you bring, you can turn to God. How does this apply to us in 2022? I'm gonna give you four questions, okay? Four questions to ask yourself and to wrestle with. And the first is this, do you know that you can have a new story by being part of the greater story of the gospel? Any other story will be a lesser story, any other story will be a smaller story. Like don't just live to be a success. You might make a lot of money. Uh, you might get titles. Like how the kid who feels inadequate that I, you know, the imaginary person that his family or his mom or his dad made him feel inadequate, what's a common thing to do? Well, uh, being successful in business or in life, that's a scorecard. I'm gonna show I'm not inadequate. And it's good to do well in your job but you're made to live in a better story. Do you know that you can have a new story by being part of a greater story? And the gospel is a bigger story. Where are the hints of this? Well, the word turning to God, the word return, return, return. Someone's being turned back to God and they don't even know it yet. That's hopeful. The other thing that's amazing, there is no king in Israel. And yet, this is happening in Bethlehem, where the last time I checked, a, a king did come from, right? And there is no king in Israel, yet this is happening in the place where the greatest king of the universe and of all spiritual reality and of heaven and earth would be born. They're surprised at the return of Naomi and Ruth. Well, guess what? The town of Bethlehem, which is small, we're talking like, you know, smaller than Percocet, okay? We're small, small village is gonna be on the name of a billion people's lips, billions and billions of people because of who's gonna come there and rule. The Lord Jesus. 
Naomi who thinks she has no future, her turn will actually be part of the nations of the world turning to God. That's the story that God is writing. And this is, this is some of the way Homer, and you really do need to, I would encourage you to journal about this. What are the stories that are running your life? Is it a shame story? Is it a victim story? And I'm not saying by a victim story you weren't victimized. The world does that to us. That happens in its scars and wounds and hurts. But if the gospel is true, is there a deeper, truer, more beautiful story? Is there a way to enter into another story? The gospel says that there is. The gospel says that there's a story. Do you realize, like in literature, there's all these stories that like, people can enter into? Uh, the line, the witch in the wardrobe. All the C.S. Lewis stories, you can enter into the story. The Harry Potter stuff was a story. Hey, guess what? You think you're... You think you're an orphan under the stairs? Guess what, you have a secret destiny. There's a greater story you're a part of. Alice, Alice in Wonderland, there's a door into another story, another deeper reality. The Matrix, all those movies, they've been gone for a while, but you know what I'm talking about. Stay with me here, right? The Matrix, stories to enter. The gospel is a true, beautiful story that billions of people have entered. And in Christ, being in Christ, there's new purpose for you, new forgiveness for you, new security for you, new belonging for you. And guess what? Think about, let this sink in. You don't have to fear death. If the gospel is true, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Not cancer. Not your messed up family or your messed up job. Not, not a mass shooting. Uh, not the governments of the world falling apart. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. And it's possible to live with hope and joy and peace. Not that life isn't sad sometimes, because sometimes it really is. But there's a deeper story. There's a deeper story. So the first question, do you know you can have a new story by being part of the greater story of the gospel. Second question, do you pray out of God's heart? Here's what we're gonna see illustrated in the book of Ruth. God cares about vulnerable people. God cares about people suffering. We actually want this church, right, to be a place where like, we say to addicts, hey, even if you don't completely understand their addiction, hey, there's hope for you, because you know what it's like to not be able to stop sinning. That's something we can all relate, right? Like we want this church to be a place where uh, no matter what someone's suffering or addiction, we know that God's heart is to care for those in bondage, care for those who feel trapped, care for the vulnerable. I was uh, reminded of this Far Side cartoon recently. You remember the Far Side? I love those. There was a, a convention for adult children of normal parents. And it was like a huge stadium, and there was like three people in there, right? And this is what's great. You see God's heart, God's heart for a broken family. Let this give you faith to pray for your family. Let this give you faith to pray for, uh, 
What needs mended, healed? Where does love need to grow? Where do people need to meet Jesus? God seems into bringing people far from God to meet him. God is just into that. Hey, did I, rent, did I mention where Ruth was from? She was from Moab. See, it's like repeated. Hey, do you, by the way, Ruth, uh, she was from like the wackiest place we can imagine. And God meets her. Let that heart fool your prayers. One generation shall commend your works to another. Uh, Jonathan used that to usher us into worship. And uh, just, we didn't even know that we were both been thinking about that psalm. That's a, it's a psalm that's really hopeful for me. It's saying one generation, we, should we not pray for our children? Should we not pray for them to see the glory and the power and the beauty of Jesus and to be gripped by that? The Bible invites us to pray that. I'm standing up here, man, I was a bored Sunday school kid who looked my mom in the eye and said, I don't know if any of this is real, walked out of the room. And if you knew the story of my family and there was some addiction stuff going on, it's a miracle I'm a Christian. And it's, as is any Christian, the Holy Spirit has to flip the light switch on. God needs, God actually helps us see the beauty of him that's what happens and god's into that so pray for each other do you see god's heart pray for each other third question where in your story are you seeking refuge where in your story are you seeking refuge look we're in the you know super wealthy country the wealthiest country and really in the history of the world uh, and also if you follow the stock market at all, it looks like a water slide at Dorney Park, really steep down. Have you noticed that? That's a time to reflect. And I say this, uh, maybe you've been like stressed out about your retirement or stressed out that you had money. And what the Bible says can happen, riches, which is so uncertain, has happened. Some of that is gone now. You had money and now don't. And isn't there invitation in this? What's our ultimate refuge? Our ultimate refuge is in the living God. It's in Christ. And that's good news when the stock market's going awesome, and it's really good news when it's not. Where else are you seeking refuge? What, what relationship? What, what title? What comfort? The shallower stories... The shallow stories won't heal your soul. Maybe you're climbing the ladder to be a success and you've never bothered to check what wall the ladder is leaning up against. That's the weird thing about successful people, right? It's when people are success, they're like, uh, you know, when they're young and hungry and like striving, they didn't think about it, but then when there's like nothing else to conquer, they're like, This didn't fix me like I thought it would. Can we learn from that? That's the book of Ecclesiastes. Where in your story are you seeking refuge? 
And the last question is this. How would life be different if your deepest story was the story of the gospel of Jesus? And I just invite you to like journal about this or just spend some time thinking about it. Where is there shame? Where like uh, stuff happened to you and it still controls you emotionally, even though you're like, I want to let it go. Or it's bitterness you can't get past. Or it's guilt. Not about like pretend things like, hey, that's okay. No, that really wasn't okay. You did that. How would life be different if you could get the story of the gospel of Jesus in your heart and soul in a deeper way and live out of that story? Look in Christ. Anyone can have a new beginning, no matter how dark what you did is. We're loved in Christ, we have belonging in Christ, we have purpose in Christ, we're family in Christ. And we talk about building a community, the community of the church, the family of the church. We really, we belong to something that will outlast the earth in its present form. We'll be part of the family of God forever. How would your life be different? How would you have like new freedom, new courage, new love, new peace? Jesus came, he entered into our bitter story. He paid the price himself and he brought us blessing we never deserved and could never expect. And God, God the Father has just sent Jesus to do it. He just did it. What human being would make that up? We're going to sing a song uh, in a couple minutes to close. I just want to read some of these lyrics. Let the ruins come to life in the beauty of your name. That's the kind of thing God's into. The ruins come to life. Ruth 1 begins with a grieving widow. It's going to end with blessing in her lap. Rising up from the ashes... God, forever you reign, and my soul will find refuge in the shadow of your wings. I will love you forever, and forever I'll sing. In Christ, through Jesus, that's your story. That can, that can be anybody's story. There's invitation here. Come to Christ. And for those of us who've been Christians for a long time, we're invited to get that story deeper into our souls. That's why we worship. That's why we sing. We're rehearsing the story. We're reminding each other of the story, the real story that we need to get deep, deeper into us and to touch the stuff that hasn't touched yet. That's the invitation of the gospel. Can I pray for us? Let's pray together. Let's enter into God's presence and get ready to sing. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you're into bringing people who are far away close. We thank you that that's your character, that's your heart. And we thank you that uh, in Christ Jesus, your son, there's a deeper, more beautiful, more true story to free us, embolden us, Enable us to experience love, belonging that we could never imagine, purpose that we could never make up, family that will last forever, uh, even some healing. We can pray for healing in our families now.
Lord, we pray your story would get deeper into us. I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray that the places that you need to touch, where if we are honest, we would say, yeah, I'm bitter too. Yeah, I'm hopeless. Where we're like Naomi saying, if only I had hope, but really I don't. God, would you touch those places? We pray that in our community groups. We pray that in our Bible studies. Lord, we pray that in our community and life together. God, take us deeper into the story of Jesus, the true story of the gospel. Um, We're desperate, and yet we pray in hope because we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's stand and sing. Find out more about who we are and how you can plug in at covenantdoylestown.org.